Hello and welcome to the 215 Workman's Podcast. My name is Brother Robert Reynolds. I'm from KJB Right Division Radio in Lipa City, Batangas, Philippines. This is the podcast of myself and Brother Landon Dunn, and we appreciate y'all being with us today to hear this message that Brother Landon has for you, and we pray that it's a blessing to you and a help to you, and pray it helps you learn to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. All right, so uh, what Brother Landon is going to do today is he's going to teach on the battle of armageddon the battle of armageddon so without further ado here is brother landon good evening brethren we're going to do another little study here this evening um we're gonna do a little study on the battle of armageddon the battle of armageddon and with this study we're also going to cover the next two events um, that will be after the, the battle as well. But um, look with me, if you will, in the book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 24. In Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to uh, start reading down in verse 29. Looking right here, the Bible reads, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken in verse 30 and verse 31 and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Okay, looking right here in this text, we notice that this, that this, that this right here, it covers the event right here. It happens at the end of the tribulation period. Because right here in the... Right here in the text, starting in verse 9, it says, immediately, immediately after the tribulation of those days. So this covers, this, this starts right here at the end of the tribulation period. And this is where the battle of Armageddon will soon be picking up. But if you will, notice two things here with me, if you will, concerning the Lord's return. Notice firstly right here that the Lord, that the, that the Lord is coming with power and great glory. Look again in verse 30 with me, if you will. It says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now right here, with verse 30 right here, with the Lord's return, with, with your, uh, within Christianity today, People are mistaken. They're seeing this verse right here, and they're mistaking this as the rapture of the church. But this could be anything but the rapture of the church, because right here in the context of this whole chapter, this is Jesus still in his earthly ministry, and he's speaking to his disciples about what they're going to have to go through during the time of you know of the tribulation, which we know in Jeremiah thirty verse seven says that this is the time of Jacob's trouble. Now. Now, if you remember in the last study, we, we, we went through this and we discussed that Jacob is Israel. In the Old Testament, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. And right here, this is, the, this is going to be the time of Israel's trouble. Okay, and, and this was Jesus, again, Jesus was talking to his disciples, you know, the Jews, you know, Israel. He was talking to his Jewish disciples. 
So this context right here, this is completely Jewish. This is not our rapture. I mean, yes, the Lord is coming back right here in the text, but He's not coming back. To <laughs> Jesus Himself is not rapturing anybody out of here. Okay, if you look with me over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to show a rapture, and this is the rapture for the church right here. This is the biblical um, this is the biblical rapture for us today, right here. We're, and like I said, we're in 1 Thessalonians 4. But look with me in verses 13 down to verse 18. Okay, it says, it says right here, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not. See, you see that? That ye sorrow not. Right here in the context of Matthew 24, there's, there's plenty of sorrow going on. It's a time of sorrows. If I'm not mistaken, early on in chapter 24, you know, leading up previous up to this event of concluding the tribulation, it mentions that it's going to be a time of sorrow because after the first three and a half years, whenever the, the man of sin gets his head wound and then he gets, you know, he gets his power from the beast, you know, and he gets, you know, Satan incarnate right here and covers the last half of the, the last three and a half years of the tribulation. It's going to be a time of sorrows indeed because they're going to be under the threat, under the under the reign of the Antichrist. So, oh yes, it's going to be a time of trouble. But back right here it says, concerning that which are asleep, he said that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Even as others which have no hope. We, actually, we have a hope today. Or in the book of Titus it says, looking for that blessed hope looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This right here, 1 Thessalonians 4, this is our hope. We're looking for the Lord return. And let me let me continue reading, but but just, just real quickly, the Lord's coming right here in the text in Matthew 24. He's coming with power and great glory. But that's not the rapture. But let's continue reading. It says, for if we, starting in verse 14, it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And it says, then, which, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Yes. During, during the time of the tribulation leading up to the text, there is no comfort in the tribulation. That's right, brother. I mean, it's a complete time of sorrow. I mean, there's verse 13. I mean, yeah, in the early part of the chapter, Jesus told the disciples that they're going during this time, people people are going to have to flee into the mountains of Judea because they're trying to hide from the Antichrist. I mean, where's the comfort in that? People are running. People are scared. The Antichrist is ruling and reigning temporarily for that last three and a half years. That's not a time of comfort. That's a time of sorrow. That's a time of grief. That's a time of trouble. Jacob's trouble. But if you notice, uh, secondly, that the Lord sends His angels to gather the elect. Okay? And this is found in verse 31 back in our text. If you look back with me over Matthew 24, verse 31. It says, And He shall send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they, you notice that? And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one he from one end of the heaven to the other. And this coming, the Lord sends his angels to do the gathering. His angels are the one that does the rapturing up right here. You know, at the end of the tribulation. You know, the post-tribulation rapture. Because with, with our with our rapture, if you notice how it said in 1 Thessalonians 4, in verse 16 and 17, it said, For the Lord Himself, the Lord 
himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The Lord calls us up right here in our rapture, you know, before the tribulation. Because I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, because that's the biblical stance. Amen. Yes. Amen. It says, "Then we, then we which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with the with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. To meet the Lord in the air, the Lord calls us up, and we meet the Lord in the air." Okay, and back here in the text, you know, it says that the I have wrote down the Lord sends His angels to gather the elect. Okay, right here the Lord sends the angels. The angels gathers up the elect at the end of the tribulation, just prior, just as this. Just right before the battle of Armageddon starts, the Lord sends His angels. They gather up those that are the elect, you know, at the end of tribulation, and and they're the ones that gathers them. It's not the Lord. He sends His angels to gather them. And then notice right here, after the elect are taken out of the way, you notice what we see here. We see a war, and you say, "Why is that?" Because this is the start of the battle of Armageddon. <laughs> Amen. Okay, and look, for this battle, look with me, if you will, in Revelation chapter 19. Okay, in Revelation chapter 19, we're going to read verses 11 down to verse 16. Notice right here in verse 11, this is, the, this is the second coming of Christ in glory. Because right there in the text in Matthew, it said he's coming with, it said the Lord's coming with power and great glory. Now look right here in verse 11. This is, this is John speaking. He said, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he, he, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And if you're reading along right here with me, you'll notice faithful is capitalized and so is true. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's coming with power and great glory. And it says, And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. It says, His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he, and he had a name written <laughs> that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of god amen and that's capitalized the word is capitalized that's jesus christ the word of god amen john 1 john 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god that's jesus christ amen and it says and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. In verse 16. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, and this is, all, and this is in all caps, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Amen. This is a bloody war where if we notice in Revelation 14, 20, we see that in this war that there's blood unto the horse's bridles. You know, and with this blood, I don't know if you've ever tried to estimate it, but I just recently did a little estimate, you know, looking online and, you know, trying to estimate the numbers because it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in Revelation 14, 20, I think it said that the uh, it was a thousand and, uh, what was it? What's that? 1,006 furlongs, if I'm not mistaken. But actually, let me look back at it real quick because I don't want to. I don't want to quote nothing wrong. But this is out of Revelation 14 and verse 20. Okay, it says, "And the winepress was trodden without the city, and the blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horses' bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs." I'm sorry, a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Now, with this estimate, you know, with 1,600 furlongs, this is estimated to be in 200 miles of blood. Can you imagine that during this battle? That the Lord come down from heaven on a white horse 
you know, with the sword that proceeded out of his mouth. And you know, you've got the armies that come, he has the armies that came with him in this in this war. And here he comes and he's making war with the Antichrist. And right here we notice there's 200 miles of blood. And not just that, but 200 miles of blood up to the horse's bridles. My goodness, what a battle. That's a bloody battle. Now, if you notice something, let's ask a little question here. Where does this battle take place? Okay, if you look with me in Revelation chapter 16, look with me please. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 16. Okay, it says, And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. In the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Okay. You can do like a little research if you want to. You can see for yourself that this is a valley over in Israel, the place of Armageddon in the Hebrew tongue. This is a valley called Megiddo. And then this is located over in Israel, you know, yes. over in the over in the valley, the Valley Mount. You know, it's not in America, it's not in Mexico, and it's not in any other Gentile country. Okay, and you say why? Because according to context, it's being <laughs> it's this battle. It's being fought in Israel. Okay, I don't care what the Pentecostals say. I don't care what modern Christianity says. You know, this battle, it's not being fought in America. You know, we're not fleeing to over into the mountains of the desert here in Arizona or any other desert that's here in America. You know, we're not going to look, we're not going to flee to any other mountain that's over in Mexico or. This is in Israel, okay? Because right here in verse 20, or I'm sorry, verse 16, Revelation 16, says, He gathered them together in a place in the Hebrew tongue. What's Hebrew? Um, Jewish? He called him over into a Jewish place. Yes. Because that's where this battle's taking place. You know, where the tribulations was before this battle. <laughs> now you say, why? Because it's gathered in a place in the Hebrew tongue, not in the American tongue, not in the Mexican tongue, not in the European tongue, in the Hebrew tongue. Amen. But notice with me, after this battle, you know, after after the Lord has done taking care of the, of the devil, you know, the Antichrist, and, and beat him in this war, after this battle, Satan has been bound for a thousand years. And I say glory to God, amen. <laughs> look with me, if you will, once more. We're, we're, we're going to look over in Revelation chapter 20. And we're going to read uh, the first three verses, you know, verses 1 down to 3. Look with me right here. It says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And then we'll cover that little season, you know, just, just shortly as we progress here, okay? Now looking right here from the text, we notice that this puts a temporary hold on him, you know, to where he's not able to deceive anyone for a thousand years. You know, you say, well, what happens during this time that he's bound? Well, if we could, like I was saying from the start of the, of the message here, you know, we're going to cover the Battle of Armageddon and we're going to cover the next few events that take place, you know, right in play one after the other. So you, so you would ask, well, what happens during this time? You know, was Satan bound for a thousand years? Well, right away, that already gives us our answer right there. You know, this is the start of the, of the millennium. And uh, during the millennium, if you notice something here, we're going to see a, 
a few things that are that happens during the millennium. And this is going to be very brief, you know, just to save time here. Um, we'll just briefly touch on this on each place right here. But if you notice with me first, during the millennium, the first thing we see, we see a change that happens to mankind. And with this change, we'll notice this if we look back in the, the book of Isaiah, in uh, chapter 65. So look back with me in, uh, in Isaiah Chapter 65. Give me me just a moment because my my pages are trying to stick together on me. (laughs) Okay. And if you're in chapter 65, look with me down in verse 20. Well, actually, just to cover the context right here, look back with me, if you will, in verse 19. We'll pick up right there. It says, And I will rejoice in Jerusalem. <laughs> you see that? In Jerusalem. The tribulation, flee into the mountains of Judea, and then right there in the battle of Armageddon, gather them into a place in the Hebrew, you know, in the Hebrew tongue called Armageddon. And then right here during this this time, I will rejoice in Jerusalem. You know, this is all Jewish. Amen. It says, for for I will, and I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. (laughs) Because it's a a thousand years of peace. Amen. Verse 20, There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die an hundred years old. Do you notice that? A child shall die an hundred years old. Right now in our time, during this day and age right now, you know, it's nothing like whenever a person turns, you know, probably his... uh I say probably his seventies or eighties, you know, up till if you know if the Lord has blessed him enough to live, showed enough grace and mercy to allow him to live at least ninety to right at a hundred years. That's really that's old for us because that's that's a long time for the Lord to call us home. You know, if he's been fully just just each minute waking up as it is is already a, it's already you know his mercy and grace. But that's yeah. a lot of mercy and grace right there shown to live that amount of days, but right here in the millennium, we see that a child, a child, says, says shall die a hundred years old. And so you can imagine, I mean, we're in a thousand years, so what do we see right here? We see that, you know, man's days are lengthened. You know, man will live, you know, it's possible for the man to live for the thousand years. I mean, it's, his days are lengthened, so. <laughs> okay, and next, the second thing we'll notice right here in the millennium, as we see a change that's taking place to you know to animals and you know to the creatures. And this, um, we can look at one verse. You know, still we're still we can still be in the same chapter right here, but look down a couple more verses in verse twenty-five. Notice this, and this is something that you're not going to see today by no means. It says, the wolf and the lamb, the wolf and the lamb, you know, other versions, they changed that. Other people, you know, they try to quote this verse and they quote it out of context. They, they misrepresent this verse, but it says, the wolf and the lamb, not the lion and the lamb. It says, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. It says, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. You know, animals are dwelling together. Mm -hmm. That's definitely not something that we see today. (laughs) 
what would happen today like if you see uh if you see like a little like a, a little wandering lamb that got away from the away from his shepherd you know if you see like a like a wolf preying on him what's going to happen that wolf he's going to come over he's going to remember he's going to attack that little lamb he's going to eat the lamb that's how it will be today but right here in the text the wolf and the lamb shall feed together that's harmony that's peace yes sir but look for more detail with these with this with the animals here look back in chapter 11 right here in isaiah chapter 11 and we're going to look at verses six through nine <laughs> i gotta get there myself <laughs> okay <clears throat> And notice right here in verse 6, you know, it's kind of starting off like how verse 25 uh, was, but it goes into more detail. But notice with notice right here in verse 6, it says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little kid shall lead them. Amen. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hoe of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And we see all animals and we see all all everything together because all, all, all of humanity during this time, the knowledge of the Lord is spread abroad. So we see the animals and we see humankind all dwelling together. All animals are feeding together. Whereas before, like it would be today, they'd be fighting each other. One would kill the other, like if a bear was to come in contact with a lamb, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be good because the <laughs> the lamb the lamb's easy prey for any for any predator. But during this, we see that even the weaned child—that's what it said—the weaned child, yes, the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. Man, man, this is gonna be a time. And next, 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 we'll see right here that there's changes to the devil during this time as well. well let's turn back over to Revelation in chapter 20. Okay. Okay, we're going to read the first three verses again. Let me take a drink of water real quick. My mouth's starting to go dry. sorry look, look right here in verse 1 <clears throat> it says and I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand and he laid hold on the dragon you know that the Antichrist that old serpent which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years and here's the change with the devil after he was bound, it says, And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him. And this seal is what holds him in. This is a holy seal. The only one that could break this seal is the Lord himself, because the Lord is the one that set this seal. And it says, And set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after, that he must be loosed a little season. The change that we see with the devil, he's bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. So no matter what he does, <clears throat> um, if, if there's a way for him to see up, which I'm sure there may be, I, but if he was to look up and see us up here during the millennium in complete, complete peace, there's nothing he that he's able to do that he's, he's going to be able to stop that. There's nothing that he can do because he's held in with a great seal. Let's see here. (laughs) 
that says that there's a there's the angel having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. During this time, the the angels during uh, the time of uh, over in the book of Genesis in chapter six, um, the giants, you know, and the angels that came down and made it made it with the the daughters of men. These angels were reserved in chains of darkness, um, under chains of darkness, you no know, under in darkness until the time of the great the great judgment. There's angels down here too that are with him. He's not the only one that's down there. <laughs> see. I was going to try to reference that verse to try to find it. Um, I think it's over in the book of Jude. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, sure is. Yeah, these angels. <clears throat> if, you, if you want to turn over to the book of Jude, you know, it's just one book beside Revelation. Um, it's in verses 6 and 7. And these are the angels, you know, from Genesis chapter 6. It said, And these angels, and the, I'm sorry, and the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains, and that's what made me think about it, everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. You know, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. These angels... They're under. They're in everlasting chains under darkness, <laughs> and that's what it was. Uh, and this angel had a great chain in his hand. <laughs> that's that's something. That's a good study right there. <clears throat> but that's not the only change that we see during the millennium. If you keep looking on, we're going to notice next there's a change, you know, in who reigns where during this millennium time with Christ. Okay? Um, during this change of who reigns where, we're going to look at three separate little, uh, three separate things here. Okay, and first thing we're going to notice in the change of who reigns where, if you notice first, you know, this is the the church age saints, the church age saints that reign with Christ. Okay, and while I'm turning over to uh, the book of Second Timothy, and I'm still going to hold my finger over here in Revelation because I'm going to be coming right back. But over turn uh, over to the book of Second Timothy, you know, chapter two and verse twelve. This reigning with Christ, this is a conditional reign. Now you say, what do you mean, you know, it's a conditional reign? Well, it's conditioned upon, it's conditioned upon one thing here. Look with me in verse 12. Starting off, this is the condition. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. And then it says, and there's the pause, and it says, if we deny him, he also will deny us. And, you know, as we study Scripture and, and you know, study with the Pauline epistles, th this has nothing to do with a person's salvation. Because, you know, the, with the Pentecostals, and the reason I keep bringing them up is because everything that I'm, that I'm mentioning here, I've heard personally in the first 22 years of my life, being in their church in the past growing up, I've, I've learned a lot of their doctrine of what they teach, and I don't agree with nothing of what they teach. But I've been told by one personally that right here in this verse in particular that says if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. They're fine with that. But right here in this next verse, it says if we deny him, he also will deny us. And they take that right there and they say this is where a person loses. If a person doesn't suffer with Christ, it says the Lord it says the Lord denies him. If we deny him, it says the Lord would not deny us. That To them, they say that means that we lose our salvation. You know, that's, we don't lose our salvation because what they're doing, 
they're they're staying in the apostles' ministry, and they're they're staying with parts of doctrine from Jesus' ministry. And that's what I seen when I was in that denomination. They was taking teachings out of Jesus' ministry. And if you was listening with the last message, they were they take parts of doctrine from the apostles' ministry, part one, and from the second part of the apostles' ministry. And that's where they build a lot of their doctrine as they as they're going about. But their uh, foundation doctrine from the Pentecostals is it, they they bound they base their foundation right off of Acts chapter two. And that's where you know they speak in tongues and you know supposedly speaking tongues. They're not speaking in nothing. But it's up. But this verse shows us clearly: if we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. It's a conditional thing. So if we suffer with the Lord, He'll let us reign with Him right here in the millennial reign. But it says if we deny Him, He also will deny us. And that's not for salvation. That's denying us, you know, a chance to reign with Him. It doesn't affect our salvation because we're still with the Lord, but we're not reigning with Him. If we de- if we deny him, you know, we're here on earth today. But 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 back with the Pentecostals, where they say that a person loses their salvation, that's not true, because they need to come over to the Pauline epistles, because they're following the wrong apostle. You know, the apostle Paul told us over in the book of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse twelve. Um, he said at the moment that we that we trusted, you know, that's the moment that you received. Actually, let me turn over to us. I don't want I don't want to butcher the verse. We're going to turn over to book of, uh, Ephesians chapter one. I'd rather just read it out to you, so you know I know it's quoted right. <clears throat> Ephesians one thirteen. And this is what shows that we do not lose our salvation. We what we lose is an eternal inheritance if we don't suffer now. Verse thirteen it says, "In whom ye also trusted." You know the gospel, First Corinthians fifteen one through four, not Matthew twenty four thirteen. And whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And with that sealing, the Holy Spirit of God, God Himself seals it in there. Just like we saw in Revelation, you know, with with the um the, you know with the Lord, the angel, he said he put a seal upon the devil that he was bound for a thousand years. That seal holds him down for that thousand years. He can't break that seal. Right here Today, we're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Once more, that seal was put on us with the Holy Spirit sealed inside of us. God put that seal on there once more. So no matter what they try to say in the Pentecostal church, they can't break that seal. Either they're saved or they're not saved. Because if you get saved... There's no way to break that seal because God Himself put the seal on the person individually the Amen. moment that He trusted the gospel, put His faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection for your sins. If He constantly, if He's constantly believing that He lost it, He's lost it, He's lost it, then chances are He's probably not even saved. Because if you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we got God's seal. God Himself sealed His Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, inside of us. And God Himself keeps that seal on us. And the only way that seal can be broken is if He Himself breaks that seal. Pentecostals can't break that seal. That's right. They're naive and very foolish to think that. But going back over to the book of Revelation, look at... uh, Okay, we're back in chapter 20. Okay. And this is just, uh, we're going to look at two different places here. We're going to show, just reading and showing two other places, you know, about the reign of that word church age saints, reign with Christ. Look right here in verse 6. It says, Blessed and holy 
is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. If we suffer, Second <laughs> Timothy 2.12, remember that. Okay, and look with me back in chapter 1 of Revelation, Revelation 1 and verse 6. Okay, if you're already there, I'd like to just start with one verse back. I always like to read the context, or at least one verse or a few verses previous, because it's always better to read it in context if possible. You know, if, if the verse has it, has it covered in context, let's read it in context. Amen? Look with me right here in verse 5. It said, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. So him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Upon that condition, if we suffer with Christ, we will reign with him during this time of the thousand years. Okay, and, and and the next the next thing we're going to look at um, the, with the change of, of who reigns where, we're going to notice the tribulation saints. And if you look right back in Revelation chapter twenty, turn back to chapter twenty, if you will, <clears throat> and notice verse four. Okay, if you're there, we're going to go ahead and start reading. It says, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast. And as I said, the tribulation saints, these are those who come out of the tribulation. Okay. And which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Okay. That verse is pretty much it says self explanatory. So because they they were because they were beheaded for the word of Christ, for the witness of Jesus they didn't receive you know his mark on their foreheads or in their hands they these people they were beheaded for the cause of Christ and then if uh, you know it's back in Matthew 24 13 you know it said but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved these are those that have made it unto the end or have been beheaded for the for the witness of Jesus these are the ones that come out of the tribulation that reign with Jesus for the for this thousand years <clears throat> and also notice lastly right here the, the next change that we see is Jesus Christ is ruling on his throne okay okay we got we got a few places to look at with this but just to keep it in order that way we're turning as we're scrolling back in order okay look at uh, chapter 19 and verse 15. Okay, right here it says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, <laughs> that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Verse 16, And then he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Okay, and this verse is also shown from the first half, Whenever he first comes down with power and great glory, right there, as we noticed in our opening text, right there in, uh, goodness, uh, 
verse 30, when he comes with power and great glory, he's coming with, he's, when he comes, he, come, he comes with a sharp sword that proceeds out of his mouth. And he has the armies coming right with him. After the angels, like, like we show in verse 31, after the angels are gathered the elect out of the way, he's coming back. Boom, he's, he's, he's making war on the Antichrist. War up, where's war going on? Blood up to the horse's bridles. That that first half, you know, it's separated rather there by a semicolon. <laughs> that that separates a pause. We show we see right there with that semicolon. We see the we see right here the first with the Battle of Armageddon. You notice afterward, after that semicolon, we see the other half of the pause, and this covers, you know, for the millennium. It said, and he treadeth actually that's more semicolon previous. Look back up one more. Okay. After he smites the nations, it says, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He, right here we see him. He's ruling. During the millennium, Jesus sits on his throne, on the throne of David. He's ruling for this thousand years. Look back in chapter 12, as we're, as we're still scrolling back. Chapter 12 and verse 5. <clears throat> And every time I pass through this way, I keep when I come across chapter 14 of Revelation, I keep wanting to show right here because with the Christianity today, your modern Christianity, they still do not believe that it's they don't believe it as faith and works in the tribulation. They think that it's faith alone. But as, but as, as I pause right here before I continue scrolling back, in Revelation fourteen twelve, it says right here, here is the patience of the saints, you know, the, the tribulation saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. There's a commerce separating between those two right there. Here's the patience of the saints. Okay. And here, here's what the patience is. It says, here are they that keep the commandments of God you know, the law of Moses, here are they that keep the law. The commandments is the law. What's law? Works. Then there's a comma. That's a pause because we're going to see right here added on. What's with this? Because right here we see works. It says, and the faith of Jesus. They got two things here. They have faith and works. In tribulation, it's faith and works. So there's no denying it in tribulation. That it's just faith alone. That's ridiculous. That's shallow reading. Revelation 14, 12. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Faith and works. But let's, let's keep scrolling back to chapter 12 and verse 5. <clears throat> okay. And right here it says, And she brought forth... And she brought forth a, a, a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. <laughs> what we saw in chapter 19, verse 15. He shall rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up, in, caught up unto God and to his throne. And to his throne. Then look back again. Let's keep scrolling back. We're going to go back to chapter 2. In verses 26 through 27. <clears throat> okay, if you're there, we'll go ahead and start reading. It says, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers. Actually, let's keep reading. And I will give him the morning star. <laughs> Amen. Okay, this is Jesus Christ. These are some verses showing Jesus Christ ruling on his throne. That's parts of, uh, of who reigns where during this time. But as we continue on here, you know, after the millennium, 
you know, after the millennium, after the thousand years, you know, what happens next after this time? Okay, if we'll, if we'll go ahead and look back in Revelation 20, we're going to notice that Satan, this is the next thing we're going to notice that happens next. Satan is loosed from his prison. Okay, and this is, we're going to look at verse 7. Okay. Okay, right here we see Satan loose from his prison. And right here um, it says, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And let's keep reading. It says, And he shall go out and deceive the nations. When he was put in, stop. Whenever he was put inside for the thousand years, when he had a seal put upon him, it said that he should deceive the nations. That he should deceive the nations no more. I think it says until the thousand years, or you know, after till after the thousand years. But right here we see after the thousand years, it says, and, and shall go out. He shall go out. You know, the devil. It says, and shall go out to deceive. You know, he doesn't learn his lesson. He's he never learned his lesson. And shall go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four quarters of the earth. And this is going to show the next the next event that takes place just after the millennium. It says, "God, the battle." This is talking about the battle, the battle of Gog and Magog. To gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. That's the battle of Gog and Magog. You know, right here, Satan tries one last time to battle the Lord, but you know, but this is a very short battle, because if you look on right here in verse nine. It says, and they went up on the breadth of the earth. It says, and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city. And look right here. This is how short this battle is. Amen. <laughs> it says, uh, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. You know, he was just put. The devil was just put in there a thousand years prior. You know. God put the seal on him and held him in, held him imprisoned in there in the bottomless pit, you know, for a thousand years. Then after that thousand years, you know, he's released. You know, first he was put in there where he wouldn't deceive anybody. Then he comes out and now he's trying to deceive once more. And he gathers up these people to get for the battle of the Gog and Magog. <laughs> and then fire comes down from God out of heaven and devours them. You know, he didn't mm -hmm. even have a chance. But if you notice, after the Lord destroys the devil's army, you know, with fire out of heaven, notice with me now in verse 10. You know, this is the doom of Satan. You know, this is, <laughs> he's had his, I guess you would say his last hoorah because, you know, it didn't last much for him. He didn't even have a chance. But look here in verse 10. It says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. <laughs> back it, Back he goes. <laughs> but this time he's in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. You know, how's that for a lesson? Amen. <laughs> you didn't learn your lesson? <laughs> well, here's a lesson forever, you know. You know, he's cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. <laughs> I say hallelujah. You know, that's the end of Satan. Amen. You know, that's the end of the devil right there. <laughs> okay, we'll go ahead and stop right there. That's all I have prepared for this. But I pray that this was a blessing. Amen. Amen, Brother Landon. Thank you so very much uh, for this message on the Battle of Armageddon. Um, I just want to show you uh, a couple of things here. Uh, go with me to uh, Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And uh, we'll start uh, by reading verses 27 and 28. All right. Starting in verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 28. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered 
together. Alright, now go to verse 37 and we'll read all the way to 42. But as the days of Noah were so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were, get, they were eating and drinking, and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. In verse 42, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. So, notice that one taken, the other left. Where are they taken to? Remember that this is not the rapture. Okay, notice uh, or remember uh, in verse 28. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Now go over to Revelation 19. I'll show you where they are taken. Revelation 19. And uh, let's start in verse 17. And we'll read 18. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. And then verse 18. That ye may eat the flesh of the kings and the, f and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. So the one taken will be taken to the supper of the great God. Jesus Christ is coming back. The second coming, he comes to the earth physically and he is going to destroy his enemies. In the battle of Armageddon, there is going to be blood, as Brother Landon said, up to the horse's bridles. Can you imagine? And guess what? When Christ comes back at his second coming, we come back with him. And if we have suffered, as Brother Landon said, we suffered here, we shall reign with Christ for 1,000 years. Now, Brother Landon said, that um, if we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, how can how can we deny Christ? Well, look at Titus one sixteen. Titus one sixteen. Titus 1.16 says, 
They profess that they know God, but in works, they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. You see that? So if we suffer, according to 2 Timothy 2 verse 12, if we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. But if we deny Him, He will deny us. We can deny Him by our works. Amen? Alright, I'll go ahead and, uh, and I'll stop right there. Uh, thank you so very much for being with us today. Thank you for your prayers for us, our families, our ministries. Uh, please continue to pray for this podcast that the Lord will continue to use it mightily for His glory. Amen? And, and also, if you have any prayer, requ uh, prayer requests, please let us know. You know, you can go to our uh, uh, Facebook uh, radio pages, our, our Facebook groups, uh, radio websites, you know, whatever the case may be, and just let us know. You know, and rest assured, we will pray for you. Amen. All right. Thank you so very much. Until next time, God bless you.